Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Evolving Leaders, the show that takes your dreams and passions from unmanageable to achievable. Every week, our panel of experts brings together visionary influencers from around the globe to help you become extraordinary in your business and personal life and expand global change. Put on your seatbelts and get ready to set the world on fire. Welcome to Evolving Leaders. It's great to have you here. I'm Tamara Green, one of the fabulous two hosts today with guests Anne-Marie and Marie Schrouder from annemarieschrouder.com. Hi, Anne-Marie. Hi. Hello. So glad to have you. And Judy Van Nykirk of thedigitalbra.com. Thanks for joining us today, Judy. That's a pleasure. Thank yeah. you. Yeah, we were just talking before, uh, Judy's in UK, and Anne-Marie is in Toronto, and uh, Tina and I are in the United States, so we've got lots of countries here. That's so cool. So today we're talking about celebrating your challenges, but before we get to that very hot topic, let me introduce my spectacular co-host and colleague, the business expert Tina Dietz, founder of the Start Something Movement on a Mission to Ignite 10,000 Thriving Businesses. Hi, Tina. Hey, I think that introduction. Thank you. <laughs> and again, I'm Tamara Green, the relationship expert, helping thousands to navigate the waters of love and dating, all while falling madly in love with yourself in the process. So that's cool. Every week we take turns um, sharing a piece of news for a no-holds-bar round-robin discussion. And for this week, we've spun the leadership wheel to me. Yay, yay me. And I am going to start off. I really want to talk about what's trending now in startup businesses. So get this. It's wearable technology. Isn't that cool? Wearable technology. So ladies, listen up. There is one wearable technology where it's a smart menstrual product that texts you from down there, if you know what I mean, to avoid, to avoid embarrassing accident. It actually measures, tracks, and analyzes the volume, color, and regularity of your menstrual flow. Isn't that something? Oh, dear and, Lord. I know. <laughs> it's made of clear medical-grade silicone and embedded with a special sensor. Uh, the flexible egg size receptacle even dispatches notifications to your smartphone or smart watch to let you know when it's full. <laughs> and for the guys, there's the radiation-blocking underwear to protect your fertility. Yeah, you know those electronic gadgets you hold very near and dear often in your lap, actually? like those laptops on your lap, are doing serious damage to something important you'll need in order to procreate. That's right, it's your sperm. So these electromagnetic radiation-deflecting cotton undergarments are lined with silver meshing, which we hope isn't scratchy, that essentially (laughs) (laughs) creates a shield to your nether regions and then there's a bonus. These snug, durable skivvies are antimicrobial to keep you smelling fresher for longer. And, oh, is that important. So interesting, right? And here's my question for everyone. And uh, I'm going to start with you, Judy. So is technology cool or is it a get, getting a, just a tad out of control? What's your thoughts on that? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Tamara. <laughs> I'm glad you're going first. Yeah, my gosh. You, that, I mean, that's a hot topic for me. And my gosh, when I get going, I don't stop. Um, <laughs> I, to me, how I describe technology is a phenomenal 
enabler in society. Mm. Technology will solve, has the ability and will solve problems that we experience in society today from, you know, even from the bras we wear, from the underwear we wear, Mm -hmm. um, right through to global warming and cleaning up the oceans and um, uh, improving life longevity and war poverty and you name it. Technology is going to overcome all, all of those challenges. Any challenge that's not been solved yet is just technology not yet discovered. Um, and a lot of, I know a lot of people are about technology um, and fearful of technology, but the more you embrace it, the more you see the opportunities that technology actually will give you and can give you. And you know, if you use technology in your work, the amount of free time you get to do the fun stuff and less of the chory stuff, it's just amazing. Mm. I mean, technology is growing at such a rate that's far beyond Moore's law now. Um, If you've heard of Ray Kurzweil, his law more applies, and it's the law of accelerating returns. I mean, the national power um, and output of technology is used to double every eight months or so, but it's even faster now. So, Yeah. So in, yeah, in as much of a nutshell as I can, that's my view on technology. So for you, it's totally cool. It gets the cool yeah, for you. Exactly. Thumbs up from you. Very good. Thank you. And I know we're going to hear a lot more about technology and the digital bra from you later during your interview. So I'm excited about that. So, Anne-Marie, how about you? Is it cool or getting a bit out of control? <laughs> well, <clears throat> I'm the parent of a three-year-old. Um, (laughs) So I have to preface my comment by saying I I think technology has done us a great service, um, and I think it's also done us a disservice in the area of connecting. Mm. You know, I have friends who are teachers who say their kids don't read social cues well anymore, and kids are, instead of talking to each other, they're sitting in a room texting or doing something virtual. That scares me. As a mom, that really scares me. And so I think it's a bit about it. Well, because we're human beings, we 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 are we're meant to live in community and to connect. And I think the the more opportunities we have to speak with each other, to see each other, to understand facial expressions, and to to really be with each other, it builds community, it builds empathy, it builds connection, um, and that's how we move forward together as as a as a collective. Um, and so certainly, I'm not anti-technology. Technology does amazing things, and I agree with Judy. There's, you know, we're we're moving by leaps and bounds. Uh, my concern is that uh, it can't be at the cost of our our shared humanity and our connection with each other. Mm. And I worry yeah. that it is in some cases. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, uh, working with uh, so many couples like I do, and and single people too, it's amazing how many people use text to either ask someone out or break up with them. And uh, h- hello, what about the you know, go ahead and use your courage to be right in front of them and and Absolutely. talk and really yeah. you know. Uh, you know, use a level of vulnerability. So I totally hear you on that. Let me ask you one more question before I turn to Tina and ask her. Is, is your three-year-old already, you know, well-versed in technology, you know? or <laughs> Yeah, my three-year-old, um, sadly, in some respects, is is more well-versed than I thought I would let her be at this age. So mm-hmm. she, she knows how to turn on my phone. She knows the password. She knows how to find... Um, YouTube, although she still asks if she can watch, which is great. Um, that won't last long. <laughs> she can take pictures. She can sell. She can send voice notes over WhatsApp to you know her aunts and uncles. Yeah, she's she's and it 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 always amazes me to watch her how you know she's got the the thumb motion on to move the screen. I have an iPhone, and um, fascinating. Now that being said, we're very very careful about how much screen time she gets, mm-hmm. and it's very little. Um, sometimes none at all, and and that's our commitment. But and I know she's going to need a lot of those skills. But studies show that kids that learn them later in life catch up to kids that have been doing it for a long time. So I'm not concerned. Yeah, right. And who knows if there's going to be a future if all these men are losing their sperm. <laughs> well, that's a whole other issue. Exactly. But thank goodness we'll be able to know how much volume and color we're producing. You know, regardless. <laughs> Exactly. I want to know what kind of notification I'm going to get. You know, ding, you're full. 
Yeah. Uh, everything. Can you, can you program the language? Like, could it be like, yo. Yeah, exactly. Or, you know, <laughs> excuse me. That would be interesting. I know. Excuse me. I like that. Tina, how about you? Is it <laughs> cool or totally not cool? My sense of humor cool? is it could just, it's going to go, gal, I'm trying to rein myself in right now, basically. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the kind of show this is. But uh, you know, in terms of technology, I'm exasperated and tickled at the same time because anytime you have a lot of innovation, you're also going to have a lot of ridiculousness. And it's not a bad thing. It's really kind of interesting to see what people latch on to, you know. Mm-hmm. If they, you know, a lot of people would have thought, you know, maybe 10 or 20 years ago that if something was invented like, let's say, Google Glass, the, the glasses that you right. wear that actually project right in front of your eye, that would have been like, oh, wow, Philip K. Dick, very sci-fi, very, you know, whatever. But when it actually hit the market, that's so much. People mm-hmm. were not interested in that. So it's very interesting to see what does resonate with people. Um, and I'll, I'll never understand why, if your phone is in your pocket, why you need a watch attached to it that you're wearing, like the <laughs> Apple Watch. Like that, that just does not compute for me. Um, and so I don't know that that's going to catch on either. But, you know, some of these things, these issues with uh, electromagnetic radiation and heat, it's actually even the heat and um, and sperm count, and that's actually a concern. There's actually mm-hmm. been a bunch of studies on that. So I could see where, um, you know, and sometimes the weird innovation begets other innovation that does make an enormous amount of difference. So I would I would definitely be with Judy on that side of things. And I also have kids like Anne-Marie, and we did – um, limit a lot of the kids, um, especially in their early years, uh, electronic kind of uh, exposure. Now that they're older, um, they're, you know, 9 and 11. Um, it, what we've noticed that's really interesting because we're doing so much travel and living internationally, living in different countries, so we're finding that technology has made an interesting bridge for the kids when they're making new friends because they have a lot of common language around the things that they're seeing on the internet. So uh, children that they've never met before in a foreign country like Costa Rica, all of a sudden they all are singing the same song because they've all seen the same video on YouTube. Oh, right. It's the weirdest thing and really cool at the same time as well. So they have this shared kind of cultural experience across space, across time, across age groups because of freaking YouTube. Yeah, like Gangnam style, you know? Yeah, yeah, like Gangnam style or whatever, or, you know, those of you familiar with um, uh, Minecraft Nyan Cat. Oh, sure. One of the most annoying (laughs) things in the world, but yet it's stuck in your head. Uh, So So true. It's those kinds of things, I think, that make um, for interesting conversation and, uh, and, of course, interesting access to information. Um, as we're going through, but the human, Emery's absolutely right. We have to keep the humanity and the connection in, inside what we're doing. My son's social skills were actually kind of flagging, not because of technology, but just because of personality. Until he started watching more, this is weird, uh, watching more YouTube videos of people playing video games, another oh. thing I do not understand. But he caught on to the interaction between the boys playing the games and how the boys interacted. And he got very comfortable with that. And so that translated into the real world for him. And uh, when he was being homeschooled for a while as we were traveling, when he entered back into the public school system, he was more confident and more well-versed in that kind of social language because of his exposure um, in that particular way that resonated with him and with his learning style. So it's interesting to see all the different facets of what um, is available to us around technology. Hmm. Well, pretty soon, you, you never know. Maybe there's going to be technology that we actually do get the, um, well, m- more and more, like Skype and uh, FaceTime and stuff like that. We will be able to see the facial expression or the body you know, language, um, but there's probably going to be a monitor like that menstrual one. There's going to be a monitor on the other person telling you that they're smiling and their their endorphins just got kicked in because you, they got a call from you or whatever, you know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, yeah. Well, and there are a number of devices out there that I'm not going to discuss here um, that are, uh, let's say, in Tamara and your relationship uh, case, you know, sex and relationship oriented. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, across distance and time. You can't fake so, orgasms anymore. <laughs> no. No, we have a monitor for that. It's a it's a stage silicone grade thing. Yeah. Um. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. I just uh, thought that was so fun that uh, that article I was reading about wearable technology. I had to share that one. Too much fun. Okay, so I think we're ready for our contribution break. We're here with Anne-Marie Schrouder and Judy Van Nykerk. We're so excited to have them. So, Tina, do you have a contribution for us today? Yeah, I would like to ask our audience here, hey, did you like the theme music for our show? Um, If you weren't paying attention at the beginning of the show, make sure you listen in to the end because it was created by David Dashinger of ddmusic.com. David is a Grammy-nominated composer whose music has been heard by over one billion, that's a billion with a B as in boy, one billion viewers on TV shows like the Super Bowl, the Masters, NCAA March Madness, CBS News, and the NFL. So to elevate your media to the next level, this is available to you. You can supercharge the quality of your videos and audios and upgrade your branding. And to do that, you want original music that's aligned to your message and your brand. And that's where David's expertise comes into play. You can contact him at ddmusic.com and hear more samples. He creates music that reaches people's soul. Tamara, how about you? So true. Thank you, Tina. And Jill Fisher, oh boy, what a master she is. She has a technique in hypnotherapy that is so effective, you will see your hopes, wishes, and goals actually come to fruition. Oh boy, did she really help me with um, fear in speaking. It was phenomenal. So I've seen it, I've experienced it, it's amazing. You will be transformed. So please join Jill Fisher at Powerful hypnotherapy.com for a free consultation to help you reset your mind to the success you've always wanted. Thanks, Tamara. Yeah, so Tina, please please introduce Anne-Marie Schrouder. I would be happy to because Anne-Marie is a rock star. I'm really happy to have her on the show today. Anne-Marie Schrouder believes in the power of inclusion, and she is a passionate speaker and author who helps people deeply get the transformation that inclusion can bring into relationships to communities and organizations. And Emory works with the topic of diversity broadly using a from-the-inside-out approach and specializes in creating LGBT, for those of you not familiar with that acronym, that's lesbian, gay, bisexual, and transgender inclusive spaces. Emory is also the mother of a preschooler who has three parents, that's a lucky preschooler, and she's the host of a creating of the Creating Families radio show, which explores how we create and live in families of all kinds through conversations with people about their personal and professional journeys around these issues. Creating Families airs Fridays on the Healthy Life Radio Network. Emery, thanks for coming onto the show today. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, it's really fabulous. Now, there's been a lot happening with, in the thank goodness, uh, with increasing human rights for LGBT people. So, what are the challenges that still exist? What's next? Mm. <clears throat> well, it's true. There have been a lot of um, great successes, especially in the last year with the the changes in the U.S. right around marriage. Yeah. Um, I think I think we have to remember that. You know, I live in Canada. We have um, a, a healthy human rights track record for LGBT people, and we're still working on uh, human rights for transgender people in Canada. So, of our 11 provinces and territories, only four specifically mention gender identity in their human rights acts or human rights codes. And then, I think, generally speaking, we still need to raise people's level of awareness about the impact of homophobia, biphobia, and transphobia. Just because we have human rights legislation doesn't mean that we're always safe walking through our communities, right? Because that's a a micro level. So there's still work to be done in schools around bullying. There's still really high levels of teen suicide, especially for trans kids um, in that LGBT um, umbrella. And, And then globally, you know, there's 79 countries in the world where it's still illegal to be LGBT, and eight of those, it's punishable by death. So, you know, wow. I feel, I'm feeling 
much safer living in Canada, but if you look at it globally, there's still a lot of work to be done. And so I think one of our challenges is celebrating the advancements that we've made here in Canada and in the U.S. and other parts of the world, but also remembering that on a day-to-day level, sometimes those legislations don't trickle down. And also on a global scale, there's still people who are living in fear, immense fear, fear for their lives every day. That's horrifying. Uh, it I, is I can't horrifying. imagine, you know, my children, regardless of who they are, having to, you know, fear for their lives on a daily basis simply because of how they're, how they're made. You know, and you know, it's <laughs> just inconceivable to me. Uh, now, what are LGBT inclusive spaces? And um, I know this might sound kind of basic, but why are they important? LGBT inclusive spaces are spaces where people who are lesbian, gay, bisexual, or transgender, or in Canada we also use the Q for queer as an umbrella term and as a positive uh, uh, reclaimed word. Are there spaces where um, people who identify as lesbian, gay, bisexual, or trans feel safe, are acknowledged, are recognized, feel valued? Um, And safe is the big, the big word in that in that statement. They're important because um, there's still homophobia, biphobia, transphobia. It comes out in various ways. It could be um, physical, so you're afraid for your safety, but it could also be comments, jokes, offhand remarks that are uh, signs to someone like me, because I'm part of that community, that we're not safe here, that there's something about how this person is, is perceiving LGBT folks that I need to like keep a low profile, not come out, not be all of who I am, which is incredibly stressful. Um, and it, you know, we talked earlier about connection. You can't connect with somebody who's, who's not willing to show you who they are because they're afraid. So they're important... Yeah. They're important for those reasons, and, and within the context of diversity, one of the reasons why we make it a point to talk about them is that you can't see someone's sexual orientation necessarily. They're stereotypes, and some, some people fit those stereotypes, but it's not like skin color. And so in the work that I've been doing over the last several years around diversity, LGBT-inclusive spaces kept coming up as a question mark. People would be like, why do we need that? You know, what, What's the big deal? I don't get it. And so... They have to be purposeful spaces because uh, people in LGBT communities are always looking for clues that the, the environments, to, excuse me, that they're stepping into are safe. And so we need exactly. to be purposeful around that creation. That makes complete sense to me. Yeah, I mean, well, and I think that the the closest analogy that I can kind of come up with off the top of my head here, and, and please feel free to you know create a better one, is, well, you know, if there was in when the feminist movement started, it's easier to, you know, um, identify a woman by appearance nine times out of 10. Um, you know, there's the, been the advent of women's only groups, women's empowerment groups, women's business groups and all that. So, you know, that inclusion, there is a, a difference, however that may be to, to those kind of groups and they are, and they're needed and they're absolutely mm-hmm. needed. So that's why, you know, and it, of course, there's going to be a jump to have these inclusive spaces where um, folks can be themselves. And just right, kinda, and I'm not, I'm not but, talking about no. specific groups for LGBT folks. I'm talking about creating an awareness in the broader community, in your organization, in your neighborhood, in your school, um, about the need for being aware that not everybody is heterosexual or cisgender, which is the opposite of being transgender, and to to making sure that everyone, including LGBT people, feels safe and welcomed in whatever space. I'm not so talking about a, a group. I'm talking, talking about, about groups. You're talk- when you say inclusive spaces, you mean in spaces in general. Yeah. For, can I give you Wherever we go in the community. Yeah, please. Yeah. So, for example, I just, um, just this past week, a few days ago, I was at my daughter's daycare. Now, she's at a lovely daycare. They're amazing people. They're, we feel welcome there. You know, we feel safe there. No problem. They know that, that our daughter has two moms and a dad. Um, there's other LGBT families there. And because the teachers, to my knowledge, in her room are not LGBT, because the administration is not LGBT, because they don't have that lens, there are things they're going to miss. Not on purpose, but just because it's not part of their reality. And so I went in this week to talk about, you know, why is it important to use 
not just, you know, we can have two mommies in a family or we can have two daddies in a family, which I think we're getting much better at collectively as a society, but also what are the parental names that, that kids are using? So our daughter, I'm mom, and my partner's name, um, parental name is Maddie. If, if our daughter never hears Maddie in the context of her school day, Maddie becomes invisible, right? Nobody knows who Maddie is. Maddie doesn't exist, quote-unquote. And so recognizing different parental names, as an example, is a way of creating an inclusive space for our child and other children who also have different names for their parents. Not everybody calls their parent mom or dad, and it's not necessarily an LGBT thing. The teachers being able to use those parental names as they talk to my child, as they talk to all kids in the room, validates my daughter's reality. And we know that kids learn what has value by what we teach them, what we talk about. And the flip side of that, they learn that what we don't talk about, what's silent, doesn't have value, right? So we have to be, we teach by omission and commission. So raising the level of awareness in this, in this daycare around the language they use, how they refer to gender, you know, that gender doesn't necessarily, isn't necessarily binary, um, that not, not everything is he or she, that some kids and, and adults are gender queer, they're fluid in their gender. Just raising their awareness and changing their, their understanding of that and their language around that creates a safer space for my child, other children from LGBT families, other LGBT kids as they get older, and also it allows the other kids in those spaces to develop awareness, understanding that not everybody is like them. So when they go out into the world, they're also going to be creating those spaces. Yeah, it also sounds like it in general creates a more creative, fluid space for growth. Absolutely. I think that goes back to what you were saying about the transformation that's possible. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You learn things. You can talk more about things. People can share more about who they are, what's important to them when you create an inclusive space like that. Now, you had mentioned uh, when I introduced you, you said you, you work from the inside out. What do you mean by that? I do. <clears throat> I work from the inside out because I, I believe that creating an inclusive space isn't something that we just do with our brain. We have to involve our heart. And so from the inside out is about working with people from that heart space and really helping them to, to connect with and understand how we each see the world. So I'm going to see a situation differently than you see a situation because we're different people, right? And we can talk yeah. about all the different types of diversity and beyond that, you know, skin color and religion and age and gender and sexual orientation, all that. And beyond that, there's personality and experiences. So we see and experience the world very differently. And the danger is that we often walk around as if everybody is seeing and experiencing the world in exactly the same way we do. And then sometimes we take it even step further that they're wrong if they don't. And so... First, I help people to understand, you know, their lens, how they see the world, um, that we all have bias. Bias gets a bad rap. We all often think about bias negatively, but we all have bias because we're seeing things in a certain way. And in order to expand our awareness, we have to recognize that we see it in a very narrow way. So when you recognize your bias, and it's a muscle, you, you, it, it's like going to the gym. You have to do it over and over and over again. You know, I've been doing this work for almost 20 years, and I still have to practice recognizing my bias and checking myself. So that's the inside out on a personal level. So we come from that place. And then when I can understand that I'm having a specific experience in a situation, and you might be in the exact same situation as me, but having a completely different experience because of who you are, then I can open up and say, oh, what's going on here? Which is why you and I can work in the same place, and you could think it's the greatest place to work, and I could hate it. I I could hate coming to work every day. Right? right? You can be oh, absolutely. This, yeah. A completely different experience. So that's one part of Inside Out. And the other part of Inside Out is often when we talk about diversity and inclusion, um, companies want to hop on the, the diversity and inclusion bandwagon and change their marketing and, and market and advertise to diverse communities, and right? But we have to start internally. We have to look at how it feels to work there. Who is working there? Is it representative of the population? Do they feel good coming into work? Is it inclusive in the sense that we get to hear different perspectives and and use those ideas in our creativity and innovation to move our company and our projects forward. How are our policies inclusive? Do we talk about all the different groups when we're talking about anti-discrimination? You know, is there an all-gender washroom, for instance, coming back to the LGBT thing? And then when we do the internal work and we have an amazing inclusive place to work, then we start to spread the word and look at our marketing and communications. So it has to start inside the organization first, and then you let people know. Because if you start marketing 
and you don't have the foundation, people are going to come and have an experience that isn't congruent with what you're saying. And they're not going to stay. Yes. And I was working in uh, education for many years in higher education. There was a lot of, okay, well, what image can we purchase that has like a group of students on it, but yet, you know, you walk in and it's not that there's no none of that experience of inclusion or right. diversity. It's basically done out of fear. Yeah, fear Which, and the bottom yeah. line, right? How can we make money? Yeah. Do we, who, who else can we reach? And that's fine. We all, you know, businesses need to make money. I get it. And you can do that in a really organic, um, careful, socially conscious way by starting inside and looking at how it feels to work there and who's there and doing all that work, and then going out, and then you're walking your talk, and it's much more powerful and much more effective. You reach more people, you serve them better, you create products that are really effective for their, for their particular needs, and they stay. You know, Research shows that people from diverse communities will even pay more for products and services from a company that supports their community. Uh, amen to that. And I, I'm so glad that you mentioned that research because that's a really important point because sometimes we do have to reach businesses through the language that they can yeah. kind of understand, even though when they when they actually do this kind of work, the the benefits are so much beyond the bottom line um, and, and yet will impact the bottom line at the same time. So, Anne-Marie, I thank you so much for sharing this today. This is a topic we haven't explored yet, and I think uh, it's a really important one to to continue to explore. We'd love to have you back another time. I'd love to come back, and it's been my pleasure yeah, to be here. That would yeah. be great. And everyone, you can find Anne-Marie at annemarieschrouder.com. Uh, and, uh, you know, just kind of building on the conversation we're just having about inclusion, now I want to talk with you about forgiveness and introduce Project Forgive, a documentary on how and why human beings dance in the conversation of forgiveness. This is a creation of Sean Duperin, a six-time Emmy Award winner and a leading-edge broadcast journalism, media trainer, and communication expert. She trains and consults Fortune 500 companies, universities, government agencies, and entrepreneurs. Project Forgive grew out of Sean's personal experience of forgiveness. It includes exquisite stories of courageous forgiveness from celebrities, thought leaders, and people whose stories will inspire you, I promise you. Have you ever been asked to describe your greatest moment of courageous forgiveness? What would it be? Here's your opportunity. Go to projectforgive.com slash share dash your dash story and share your forgiveness story. Tamara, let's hear from you and Judy. Yes, thank you, Tina. And thank you, Anne-Marie. That was great. Judy Van Nykerk's life story has captured global media after she courageously shared her story of sexual abuse from her father. The reporting of sexual assault in Ireland increased, get this, 75%. It's amazing. The best-selling author, entrepreneur, and philanthropist made history in South Africa by persuading the government to allow her to plant wine vineyards on tribal land, creating hundreds of jobs and empowerment opportunities. She's now empowering women through their la- her latest project, The Digital Bra, a revolutionary high-tech solution to a serious problem for women around the world. And they make customized bras for women, irrespective of their shape and size. Women deserve the perfect fit. So committed to making a difference through her own childhood challenges, Judy found her passion in empowering people to love and honor themselves regardless of what happened in their lives. The digital bra is not just a high-tech innovation. It allows women to finally embrace and love their bodies, and you can find her at thedigitalbra.com. Hi, Judy. Judy, are you there? Hello? Did we lose? Hello. Oh, there she is. Sorry. I'm having some technical issues here. I'm sorry, Tamara. Talk about Good technology, right? <laughs> yeah, I know. So let's let's jump right in. Um, tell us about what is the digital bra? I know people are dying. The what? So tell us, what's the digital bra? Well, it's just about, the research officially says that over 85% of women hate their bras. They cannot find a bra that fits. Um, my 
my experience since I started this project is just closer to nearly 100% of women mm. um, that they just cannot find a bra that fits. So, um, and my thinking was, well, and that includes me, as, you know, not only just fits, but it's comfortable. And then not, we end up as women eventually settling for the least uncomfortable to buy and to wear. And then I started to thinking, well, what is that doing to our self-esteem? What is it doing to our confidence and our sense of empowerment? Because empowerment is so important to me. And um, and I, I, it's 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 seriously it's a serious problem. You can't. This is a piece of apparel, intimate apparel that you wear closest to your heart, and it disempowers us all day as we wear it. Because all we want to do is get home and get it off. Um, I didn't even think of it that way. Why? Yeah, and that's the important. That's the amazing thing is because you're constantly fidgeting. And as I said the other day to someone, at best it's irritating. At worst it's humiliating because you're constantly fidgeting well a lot of women are constantly fidgeting with their clothes how do they look because of the bra because the bra doesn't fit the clothes don't sit and because you're constantly uncomfortable you're fidgeting with your waist the band around your chest or the, the shoulder straps or making sure your 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 breasts fit into the cup and not hanging out the, the top it's it's incredibly disempowering mm. and takes up so much time and energy and space in our mind so I then started figuring out, trying to research and figure out well, how are bras made, how is the lingerie industry making our bras, and why is this such a problem? And, and it's been a problem for like 180-odd years. And uh, I discovered it's simple. It's a very simple mistake that's being made. They are based on three measurements traditionally. Now, you take those three measurements, and they could be exactly the same on three di- on two different women, but those two different women will be completely different shape and size. Mm-hmm. So that is the, the fundamental problem that I need that the digital bra addresses. So what we've done is come up with a technology, which is, which, <laughs> which is a mobile app technology, which you download onto your smartphone. You scan yourself. We take 120 plus, depending on your size, measurements. So what we create is a silhouette of your body um, and the pattern for the bra that you select from our range and what we call parametrically adjusted to fit you perfectly. So it's all technology driven. Wow. There's no human interaction. So at the end of the what comes out the other side is essentially a pattern that's 100% fit for you, customized for you, which we then have manifested and then couriered to you, to the client. Um, so as you can imagine, because it's customized, because it's the perfect fit, we don't, you don't have the strap adjusters, and you don't have um, any of the digging in under the, under the breast and around the side. And we also use a form of wearable uh, technology as well in, our, um, in the fabric as well. So, so in a nutshell, that's what the digital bra is. So the, the, there's technology in the fabric too? What do you mean? Well, we are using, uh, the fabric we're using has got uh, pure silver in it, and we're developing it with um, um, various universities to actually regulate according to the body temperature, to your body body temperature as well. So uh, apart from the fact that it's antimicrobial and um, and because silver is, is... is a natural is the nature's natural antibiotic. It releases um, positive ions, which essentially, in a, case, in a nutshell, eats up the negatives that are released through your sweating. So you will never feel under your breast. There's a lot of women that get rash and irritation under the breast with their bra from sweating, breast sweat. Yeah. You won't get that with this fabric at all. <laughs> Because you have all the little ions being e- eating up the negative ions. <laughs> yeah. So who would have thought that uh, a garment that you wear actually helps to make you feel better about yourself, self-esteem, self-confidence, all of that? That's that's great. Yeah. It absolutely is great. I mean, it's a 3D garment. It's the only garment in, that we wear that's 3D. So it needs a different approach. You can't take a standard approach to measuring, um, you know, like you would a dress or a pair of trousers. It's not as simple as that. Mm-hmm. 
you know, because women's angle of their shoulders differ, the the distance between their breasts, the length of their breasts, the, the distance between the top of the shoulder and the start of the breast down their chest differ. There are so many variables that yeah, differ. One breast from is one, bigger than the other. Are very often, more often than you can imagine. Mm-hmm. Um, and I say, it's you know, I've come to the conclusion that a woman's bust, a woman's shape and size around her breast and bust is as unique to her as our fingerprints. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, so that's, and we, we've developed technology that will overcome that. So I watched your Kickstarter video a couple of times. I think it, I, it just fascinated me. Uh, first of all, you're interviewing people and just there's plenty of women out there like, oh, please give me a bra that feels comfortable, number one. But number two, watching the, how easy it is to just scan and get that uh, digital form of your body that's, like, perfectly you, it's really amazing. And they're quite lovely. They're really pretty, these bras. Very pretty. (laughs) Thank you. Yeah. We wanted to make them, you know, because when sometimes when you think about digital or technology, you think of something that's more functional than attractive. Mm -hmm. And also the other thing is when you're larger-breasted like I am, um, it's hard to find something that a bra that's attractive. It really is hard. I'm not saying it's impossible, but it's hard. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And the other thing is, as well, the important message about this is about love your breasts. You know, we hold so much emotion and so breasts. They've become. We've forgotten. We've lost touch with what they are. They're apart from just a function part of our body that we we women are born with and hopefully we get to keep throughout our life. Um we you know, they they give life, they take life, they they nurture, they we've forgotten all that and they've just become sexualized parts of our body. Right. Um and that's what we the lingerie industry uh, I believe has encouraged us, and that's what we consciously buy into every single day. We accept the fact that lingerie companies Photoshop um, models with lingerie on it, and we constantly seek to try and emulate that look and mutilate ourselves with um, surgery and and starvation and gym and 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 so you know not being good enough and get bras with. And all, and, and all that sort of stuff, which just is all of it psychologically has negative impact and physically and posturally has negative impact. Why is the fact that we're wearing wires today in our bras so close to our heart is a scary, scary thing. I can't understand how we do it. Um, you've got EMS, Wi-Fi. What that attracts to your body is just incredible. And the medical impact of that is phenomenal. Wow. Didn't even think of that either. What do you know? And the Inmec Meridian, which one of your energy lines that runs up and down, is smack in the middle of your breast. It runs up and down. So that that's the line that really holds emotion and tons of anger. So, yeah, I mean, we're just attracted. I mean, just kind of it's stuck there um, when we're probably wearing metal and wire and stuff around that area. Um, wow. And you're blocking you're mm-hmm. blocking reflexes that are under your breasts. Um, there are reflexes under your breasts. And by wearing a band that's too tight or wire or anything restricting there, you're blocking those reflexes, which then has um, a direct impact on your gut um, and various organs in your body as well. Um, not to mention the, the lymphatic glands that don't drain, that need to drain every single day. In your breast, this just—it just goes on and on. Wow, fascinating! And I, I've only asked you one question, and we're—we have to go to break in about a minute. So, in a minute, I know this topic is about celebrating your challenges. So, can you tell us about that and how it ties into the digital bra? Um, well, in a minute, that'll be very difficult. <laughs> 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 but it's, um, 
I think the first and foremost, the digital bra is about accepting your body as it is and learning to love your breasts, love your body, and celebrating who you are. That's the one side of it in a, in a very small nutshell. The other side of it is it's, a, it's an example of how I've celebrated my challenges because I've hated my breasts all my life. But by turning it around and saying, hold on a second, why do I hate my breasts? Well, I hate my breasts because of somebody else, because of what they put me through and what I experienced so why don't I just change that perception and use that to my advantage? And through, well, that's, through like, that's what I call capitalizing your challenges. And through capitalizing your challenges, you, you create phenomenal material and spiritual um, um, opportunities. And that's what brought is For me, it's my way of capitalizing my challenges. I love that. Turning each and every single challenge into a gift, and this digital bra is going to be a gift to, you know, probably millions of women. It's just fantastic. Judy, thank you so much. So I am going to, oh, and please go, you want, you really want to see the Kickstarter video and go to thedigitalbra.com. It's, it's a really amazing um, video to watch. I loved watching it. Thanks, Judy. So Tina. Pleasure. Thank you. Tina, can you uh, share a contribution with us right now? Absolutely. Well, uh, most of us uh, out there own small businesses have an important message. So if you've got an important message or a project that should be reaching a broad audience, the fastest way to do that is by connecting you with people who can really get your message out there. It's by you being an influential person. Ignite your business with the Wildfire Academy free training and go flame to fame in four weeks. It takes you step-by-step through a proven strategy and how to get connections and endorsements from highly influential people in your field. Moving from local word of mouth to wildfire academics that go global. Sign up at www.wildfireacademy.com. Thank How about you, you Tamara? Thank you, Tina. And uh, I see that a, uh, um, a URL got cut off at the end, so you'll help me at the very end. So are you, do you mind, are you a solo business owner out there making it all on your own? Come and join the Superstarter tribe over at the Start Something show where they're on a mission to ignite 10,000 thriving businesses. Catch the fun and informative Start Something show. I've been on it. It really is fun. Get tools and resources to help you grow a better business faster. You don't need a cape. Just be you. Start something new and go to, oh, here it is, www.thestartsomethingshow.com and become a member for free. It really is a great show, by the way. I thank you very much. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> well, we're going to uh, take a little bit of a lounge here on the leadership couch with everybody. The leadership couch is where we get personal and uh, sit back with a cup of tea or a glass of wine or whatever is the virtual beverage of your choice to chat about uh, anything and everything can come up here on the couch. So uh, what I wanted to talk about today, um, because we're, we've got such a powerhouse group of people on the show today, and uh, everyone on the uh, is is somebody who has is really rooting for people to have great lives, and and often has been rooting not just for themselves, but um, made a huge difference in the lives of hundreds of thousands and pe- or thousands of people around the world. So, um, back in uh, back in the day, back when you were growing up, did you ever do something outrageous uh, to help someone who was being bullied or excluded? You know, kind of like, what were the seeds of, of your activism growing up? So I'll share something, a, a personal story of my own. Um, I was about uh, eight years old, and I was riding the bus home from school. And back in those days, they, they thought it was a good idea to have everyone ride the same buses from kindergartners all the way up through high school. Um, now, since then, fortunately, they've show that this is not a good idea to have all those age groups on the same bus, but that's the way it was when I was a kid. And there was a high school, I think he was a junior, sitting in front of me on the bus. And uh, there was a little boy trying to get off the bus, and this jerk face, as I would have called him then, was blocking the aisle so this little boy couldn't get off the bus, and he was kind of poking him and pushing him. And I yelled at this high schooler. I said, you leave him alone. Pick on someone your own size. 
And he turned around, the little boy ran down the aisle and off the bus. He turned around and grabbed me by the front of my shirt and slammed me up against the seat and said, you know, what are you going to do about it? And started laughing and turned back around. And in my righteous indignation at eight years old, I decided that my best course of action was to hawk a loogie down his neck. <laughs> awesome. So, um, I was in such a, a blur. Uh, I'm not quite sure what happened next, except a lot of people laughed at him and kind of freaked out. And I did time it, though, smartly, so that my stop was the next stop. So I was like, did it, and then I was like, off the bus. So You could have the lucky at eight. I'm impressed. Well, you know, some of us have gifts. Um, so and that Tina. was something I've always been a kind of a um, an underdog uh, activist. So what about you guys? You got something? I want to ask you, just for, for people who may not know what Hawk and a Loogie is, <laughs> I, you um, know, just maybe you I, need to uh, explain that. Okay, um, that's not the inclusion I was expecting. Um, but, but, um, basically, um, spit a wad of mucus down his neck. So yeah, they that's, that's that's really gross clear. about it. Yeah. There you go. Oh, yeah. Great Language story. is powerful. It is. It is. I'm a delicate flower, what can I say? <laughs> so have you ever stood up, stood up for somebody uh, or done something crazy to kind of stop someone from uh, getting hurt or being bullied or kind of rescued someone in a sense? Uh, Tamara, how about you? Yeah, you know, I, I can't say it was like really, you know, courageous or stopping somebody, but in sixth grade, it was probably only about two months left of school, and then and a new girl came into the class, and it, I felt so bad for her because she didn't know anybody. I mean, sixth grade, I mean, after sixth grade, you go to a whole other school, so to be there for only two months was, I could just see the pain on her face. And um, so she um, had large breasts at sixth grade, 10 years old, which was, you know, the boys really noticed. And she was trying to get away from a, a gang of guys that were just, you know, like, ooh, can we touch your breast? I mean, they were just being these six-year-old guys, but being pretty pretty lewd and, and um, very not nice. So she kept going back and back into the field, like during lunchtime, and I just decided I'm going to just run out there so she's not alone. And uh, just by her not being alone anymore and just kind of grabbing her arm and saying, hey, or come with me. You know, my at the time I called myself Tammy. Come with me. I'm Tammy. And she introduced herself. And to this day, she is one of my best friends many, many, many years later. But we formed a very, very close relationship after that. So. That's an awesome story. Thank you for sharing that. I'm, I'm actually, I'm really moved. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I'm really moved by that. Judy, any uh, experiences come to mind? Um. Well, I, as a child, I'm afraid I was incarcerated until I was in my early twenties, so I didn't get the yeah. experience to. Um. Um. But. My on a different note, I what I did do was you know during those years, um, when I was incarcerated, there were some times when my siblings were around, and I would stay up all night, night after night, to make sure my father never went near them, and mm-hmm. made sure that I was the the person that got the beatings, got the got the rapes, got the uh, the. Um, so my siblings were protected. So, um, you know, at that time I would rather die than have them touched. Exactly. So that was, yeah, that was my, and it made it worthwhile for me. It made it. It made sense. It made. It gave it some. Gave my experiences some purpose that I was yeah. making a difference to them. Finding a meaning. Yeah. That makes yeah. all the difference. Mm. Wow. Absolutely. I'm very touched and moved by that. Yeah. Amazing. Of course. Thank you. Of course. Mm-hmm. Emory, how about you? Well, I'm extremely touched and moved. I don't think I can follow that story with anything that's going <laughs> to... Wow, Judy, that's phenomenal. It's just incredible that you were able to turn that around and, and create an experience for yourself that helped you get through it, but also really supported and nurtured your siblings. That's such big love. 
Thank you, Amory. I appreciate that. Thank you. Well, I'll jump in again. You know, it's it's interesting. Um, I decided in the last couple of years, I decided to come out with my own story of uh, child abuse, and it certainly was um, part of my – I didn't even – wasn't conscious of it at the time – but later, it was actually under hypnosis that it really came out that I was also protecting my sister from being molested too. And and it, it's it's interesting because it really was a, a time filled with shame for me until um, something really cleared. That shame really cleared in a very complete way when I did realize, wow, I think I was um, protecting her during that time, and I, you know, actually felt proud of myself and instead of, you know, carrying the kind of guilt and shame that you tend to um, have when you have that experience. Yeah, so. exactly, exactly. And you know, inside of this whole context of today's show and celebrating our challenges you know if we you know we look to the left and we look to the right at the, the people around us it, it, you know we we've we've been we've uh, most of us have been through um sexual assault of one kind or another i know that's in my history as well both as a child and as a young adult um and you know, it's some of those experiences that it's so powerful for us not only to go through the healing process, but also to not be silent about it, even in forums like this, in business, you know, and on a show in public, you know, but to be able to actually come forward and say, yeah, you know, that happened to me too. So because we never know who that's going to touch or who that's going to give permission to, to then come forward in their own community or in their own way to say, hey, um, if, you know, if they can if they can talk about it, and now they're living a life that, you know, life is life is life is okay, life is safe, life is good, um, then maybe I can take those steps too. Mm-hmm. So it, it's it's mm-hmm. yeah, and it's it, it's so 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 common, unfortunately. Yeah, mm-hmm. it is. And yeah. and Anne Marie, you know, quite frankly, uh, after hearing uh, you talk about what you're doing, mm-hmm. you're preventing bullying like now. You're actually yeah. in action right now. Yeah, and, you know, it, in thinking about your question, I, I mean, I spent much of my young life just trying to stay under the radar, not be, no, don't, so don't see me, I'm not, you know, just keep a low profile. So, and, yeah, we need to create spaces where kids can be all of who they are, you know, and, and be safe being all of who they are. Mm-hmm. And adults too. It's not just a kid thing, you know. I was a teacher for several years, and when I left teaching, I thought inclusion can't just be important for little kids. Inclusion is important our whole life. We all want a sense of belonging. So, I think that spaces, yeah, yeah, creating space for that, for that kind of freedom. And I am, mm-hmm. um, I've always been grateful for the LGBT community for the spaces that they have created that have been inclusive for um, people who aren't queer. Yeah. Um, I know that there's been, you know, uh, times in my life when I was healing and I was going through and I didn't feel safe around men. And so I would go out dancing with my friends at um, at a gay dance club and I felt really safe there and I felt really included there and I wasn't worried about, you know, um, what what might happen. And um, and And moreover, I felt pretty. Hmm. which was really important for me in that time in terms of the of the experience that I was having, to be around yeah. men and women being themselves and not having to have these uh, strict gender roles or sexual roles that uh, right. that people were just being people. Yeah, so. that's, that's amazing. I'm, I'm glad that you yeah. had an experience like that. And I, yeah. I have to say that, you know, today, I think the last maybe not, the, hopefully the last, but the, the big question, the big frontier around inclusion in LGBT communities now are trans people because they experience discrimination even from within the LGBT community. Mm. So I don't, you know, I, I, would, I would say that, as a, as a, uh, that a trans person might have less spaces to feel safe, for sure, and even within the LGBT community, they may not always be, um, be able to count on safety, even there. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. tragic. Yeah. Tragic. 
Mm-hmm. You know, it's such you know mm-hmm. gender identity and and coming out as trans and and really having people see you for who you are and love who you are is such a big deal. Such and a on big and on that note, I'm so sorry the music is going to start to cut you off, but that was a beautiful note to end on. Thank you, Anna Marie, uh, from Anne Marie shrouder.com and judy van nykirk from the digital bra.com you guys were amazing so you lovely listeners can go back to the website for our show the evolving show.com and get all the show notes about everything we talked about today you're going to be able to find the link for everything in this show so guess what you don't have to pull over and write your notes down it's all there for you at the evolving show.com so just head on over there and check it out and we'll we're going to see you next time and of course The music is not cutting you off, Anne-Marie. So sorry. (laughs) Thanks for having us. Thanks for joining us today on Evolving Leaders from EBC Radio. And remember, the adventure has just begun. Get all the resources from today's show at theevolvingleadershow.com. And join us again next week where Leaders of Vision inspired you to transform your ideas into reality. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.